0: Welcome, everyone, to another regularly scheduled rerun. I just finished recording today's bonus content with Amanda, and I I think it's definitely something to be checked out. We had just a couple of updates from past episodes, and then we had some very interesting conversations about the difference in 2016 versus 2017 and how that feels, Uh, being very clear to distinguish and uh, point out that 2017 is obviously Actually, worse. But I, I, I sort of had some feelings recently that even though 2017 is worse, that it might not feel as bad as 2016 did. You know, 2016 famously felt terrible, and everyone was ready for it to be done. So we discussed that a bit, and we also discuss uh, one of my favorite outlets for. It's not news and analysis; it's science and. Understanding really, and it's called the Greater Good Science Center, and I, I want to mention that here. We go into a lot more detail in in the b- bonus episode, but I want to mention it here because I, I encourage everyone to read this. It it's like it, it's the uplifting kind of. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. It's not it's not uplifting necessarily, but I, I gain some degree of calm and solace. From understanding why things are happening. You know, being in a bad situation and not understanding how we got here, I think is worse than being in a bad situation and at least understanding how we got here because it gives you just a sliver of understanding of how maybe we can get out of it or maybe not. But anyway, this it, is not a great pitch, but. I think you should uh, check out the Greater Good Science Center. They just have a blog and and post lots of interesting things. So we had a, a long and detailed discussion about uh, one of their recent posts about understanding how power causes people to act more like sociopaths, which is quite relevant in uh, in today's politics, but it's actually relevant in you know, any day's politics. So that's the members-only bonus. If you are a member, make sure you get access to that. And if you're not a member, sign up now at Patreon. Find, just search for Best of the Left, or you can find it by going to bestoftheleft.com and clicking on the Contributes tab. Secondly, today's episode, it's a rerun. It's a classic from 2014 about voting rights. And before we get to the rerun bit of it, I want to share with you a modern-day campaign that is happening right now regarding voting rights. Uh, Lawrence Lessig is he's sort of the spiritual godfather of the voting rights movement. He's uh, written books on the subject. He's you know a constitutional lawyer and understands all of the ins and outs of our uh, electoral system, and basically my stance on Lawrence Lessig is to follow wherever he leads. And so he's launched a new campaign just about a month ago. I have already donated to it myself and the, the first run of their crowdfunding campaign is ending in just a few days. And so I want to make sure to get this information to you in case you would like to join. So here's just a quick couple of minute video with Lawrence Lessig explaining their campaign And as I said, this is happening right now. The fundraising campaign is happening right now and uh, is ending in just a couple of days.
1: At the core of any democracy is a very simple idea that all votes are equal. In the United States, that principle applies to nearly every election, from city council to reality TV shows, but not in the way we elect our president. Under the current system, the candidate who wins the popular vote in a state takes all the electoral college votes of that state. That means that even if the candidate won by just a single ballot, he or she gets every single electoral college vote from that state. They call this system winner-take-all. But what it means is that if you don't vote for the candidate who happens to win your state, your vote will count for nothing. If you're a Republican in Massachusetts, your vote means nothing. And the same if you're a Democrat in Montana. Because of winner-take-all, two of the last three presidents took office after losing the national popular vote. And because of winner-take-all, presidential elections have become battles for a handful of swing states. The candidates focus on the needs of swing states almost exclusively which is why voters in non-battleground states believe there is no real reason to even vote. It's time to change this system. Winner-take-all is not in the Constitution. In fact, we believe winner-take-all violates a core principle of our amended Constitution, namely that all votes must count equally. So we want to file a lawsuit to challenge this inequality. We will ask the courts to apply the principle of one person, one vote to the state's winner-take-all rules, and we believe that the Supreme Court, even this Supreme Court, will agree that this is right. Now, if we take this action right now, there is a chance that we could write these unequal rules in time for the next election. We need to raise at least $250,000 in the next 30 days to fund this plan. We can do that if you help. If you believe with us that it's time to fix the way we elect our president, please go to EqualVotes.us. Make a donation if you can, but regardless, sign up to join this fight. Every person with an equal vote. It's not just a good idea. Help us make it the law.
0: So there we go. As I said, that's happening right now. If you want to take action on that and, and my basic philosophy on fixing our electoral system is to throw everything at the wall and see what stakes. So I still believe in a constitutional amendment to fix campaign finance. I still believe in a grassroots, like like a bottom-up strategy to fix campaign finance that doesn't require a constitutional amendment. I still believe in fixing the electoral college through an interstate compact agreement that basically nullifies the electoral college without technically taking it out of the constitution. And I support this strategy to recognize that the electoral college itself is not unconstitutional, but its implementation in reality, as we have, is in fact unconstitutional because it nullifies people's votes. So I I say throw everything at the wall, support all the campaigns see what works and we'll get there eventually. So again, if you want to check that out, go to equalvotes.us. And now is time for today's rerun episode. Today's episode is not about the electoral college, but it is about voting rights. And in choosing this episode was inspired by the Lawrence Lessig campaign. Um, but it is from 2014. And so, you know, a lot of the details are uh, out of date, but the, the broad spectrum is very much still in play and it's interesting because so much of what was being talked about in 2014 was it was a little bit more in the open a few people had started saying things accidentally out loud when they were supposed to be keeping them secret and covert but they were really just saying quite openly what their strategy was. And this episode includes a lot of those quotes from people. And so that's why I chose to play it. Now, of course, we're in the midst of a Republican administration that is actively uh, working to implement voter suppression policies across the board. So we'll be coming back to this topic very soon. And this is a nice primer for anyone who needs some historical context. And now... Enjoy the show. This program is made possible by the members and donors of the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now welcome to the award winning Best of the Left Podcast with clips today from AJ Plus, the David Pacman Show, Counterspin, the Bradcast, the Jimmy Dore Show, the Tom Hartman Program, The Young Turks, Moyers and Company, and the Lyndon B. Johnson Library. And remember that voting is a right, driving is a privilege. Maybe write that on your hand if it helps you remember
2: democracy works best when its voting system is free fair and accessible to all eligible voters right But voter participation in this year's midterm elections might not be as easy as it should be here are three voting laws that might keep some americans from the polls more states than ever are now requiring voters to show a form of photo id when casting their ballots so what's the big deal well more than one in ten u.s citizens don't actually have one This includes 25% of African Americans, 20% of 18 to 29 year olds and low income voters groups that traditionally vote Democratic. Supporters of voter ID laws say that they prevent voter fraud. Except that voter fraud is extremely rare. Between 2000 and 2014, there were 31 incidents of voter fraud out of 1 billion ballots cast. And don't mess with Texas, because the Supreme Court recently sided with the state's lawmakers to enact voter ID laws in this midterm election. Texans now have to present one of seven eligible IDs in order to cast their vote. And while a gun permit is considered an official ID, a university ID is not. And Texas isn't alone. A total of 31 states require IDs at the polls this year. Early voting is already underway, except that in some states, it's not all that easy. Voting early allows a person to cast a ballot on a day and time that doesn't get in the way of things like work or childcare. But in states like Wisconsin, politicians are fighting to reduce or even eliminate early voting. The state's Republican governor, Scott Walker, recently cut weekend voting and nighttime voting. Backers of Walker's bill say that rural counties don't need weekend voting, so why should city folks be able to vote early when they can't? But here's something they don't mention. Voters in Wisconsin's biggest cities, Milwaukee and Madison, are disproportionately people of color. And Governor Walker is also in a tight gubernatorial race where the outcome will largely be determined by how many people come out to vote. And just to put early voting in perspective, in the 2012 presidential election, one-third of voters cast a ballot before Election Day. Oh, and African Americans are 26 times more likely to vote early. And then there's same-day registration, something offered in a small number of states. It allows folks to register and vote on the same day. Not only is it super convenient for people that have moved around a lot, most commonly low-income folks and young adults, it's also increased voter turnout, particularly among people of color. Is it any surprise, then, that some states have ended same-day registration? Take North Carolina, for example, one of the most important battleground states in the country. During the 2008 presidential election, 36% of same-day registration voters were African-American, even though they represented 20% of eligible voters. Obama won the state by a small margin. And now, with a closed Senate race whose outcome could determine which party controls the Senate as a whole, it seems every vote in North Carolina will count. So those are just a few examples of how voter restriction laws are playing out across the country. So is American democracy at its best if some voters can't even cast their ballot?
3: We've been talking a lot about the desperate efforts from the right to try to prevent people from voting because they recognize that they're really having a problem with the demographic and ideological shifts that are taking place in this country. And the right touts voter ID requirements as something that simply needs to be demanded of everybody to prevent so-called voter fraud. Now remember, the type of voter fraud that the right claims to want to prevent by passing these laws basically doesn't exist do not forget this ladies and gentlemen whenever someone talks about this remember that there have been almost no cases of these types of voter fraud in the last couple of decades these are people showing up to vote and claiming to be somebody else so I show up at my neighbors polling place well that would be my place at my across town neighbor's polling place and say oh i'm joe schmo and i'm here to vote and i vote for joe schmo even though i'm really david packman and the other one is showing up and voting multiple times at your own polling place which is just absurd obviously you're checked off when you vote and there's no reason to think that would happen and it isn't happening so this is republicans looking for a solution to a problem that does not exist however there's a whole other reason that we should be really concerned about these voter ID requirements and that Ladies and gentlemen, is that the voter IDs are not really free. You hear from the right that this is not a poll tax because the ID itself is free, and that's true. However, there is a study that was done in Texas which found, and this is in a really great article in the Atlantic by Peter Beinart, that Texans who earned less than $20,000 per year were more than 10 times more likely to lack the proper identif- identification required to vote. Okay? So, there's a study called accepted photo identification and different subgroups in the eligible voter population and to get one of these free IDs the study found you need another form of identification for most people this is a birth certificate the birth certificate according to the Brennan Center for Justice costs between 8 and 25 dollars to obtain if you don't have it Now, if you've moved if you have a situation where you just don't have these family records it's very very possible that you need to get your birth certificate in order to get a so-called free voter ID that's eight to twenty five dollars in addition married women often need to present a marriage license explaining proving that they are originally the person whose name is shown in the birth certificate because their new last name may not match the birth certificate since they are now married those cost between eight and twenty dollars this is the key piece of data this is amazing lewis back in the civil rights era uh... poll taxes were outlawed at the time the poll taxes would have been ten dollars and sixty four cents in today's dollars. So the poll tax back then would be 1064 today. We're talking about a poll tax here, an ID cost that is between eight and $45. This, Lewis, is a poll tax. This is not a free ID. And this is yet another way to keep likely Democratic voters from poor areas, from minority areas, from getting the IDs required to vote and they cost money it is not free and most
0: of the republicans behind this don't really care about voter fraud uh, they, they realize so. that's a non-issue
3: do they, re- they they know Lewis that you would need to orchestrate something of such a scale to actually flip an election with those techniques that it would be impossible to
0: keep it quiet and when even when you ask them they admit that countrywide every election cycle there's uh, there's something like 10 cases of voter fraud um, and it's obviously uh, completely negligible.
3: Add to this the fact that the study found that nearly half a million people without access to a car are more than ten miles from the nearest office that regularly issues IDs. You have to add to the to the eight to forty five dollar cost for the documents you need transportation. This is a pretty expensive free ID, isn't it, Lewis?
0: Very expensive. This is uh, this is totally despicable, and it's it's embarrassing that that this is happening
4: the right of citizens of the united states to vote in any primary or other election for president or vice president or electors for president or vice president or for senator or representative in Congress shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state by reason of failure to pay any poll tax or other tax.
5: For a moment there, the media seemed to acknowledge that charges of voter fraud, which Republicans use to call for laws requiring ID at the polls, are only political hype. The New York Times, reporting on a push for ID laws in Washington state, noted a lawyer's comment that the state didn't plan on presenting any actual evidence of fraud at court hearings because they didn't have any. Indeed, it would be accurate to say that the problem of voter fraud has never actually been documented. But voter ID laws intended to suppress voting by young people, minorities, the elderly, and the poor are deemed a controversial issue on which both sides, however unequally supported by fact, must be presented. And here we go again. The September 11th USA Today talked about ongoing court cases in Wisconsin, North Carolina, and Ohio and noted, quote, those states and others have made voting more difficult in recent years to combat what they claim are instances of voter fraud, close quote. Of the Wisconsin case, the September 13th New York Times reported, quote, Advocates say the requirements prevent voter fraud and encourage confidence in the process, while opponents say the requirements are aimed at suppressing the turnout of Democrats and minorities and that cases of in-person impersonation are rare, close quote. You'd be hard-pressed to guess from that sentence that only opponents' claims have the benefit of being based in reality.
6: This mess was now your mess is mine. walking around at 8 a.m
7: got two hours before my flight love me on my side too Let's look at the Supreme Court. Let's look at voting rights now as we uh, head into this election, as we are in this election, as early voting is now underway, as I said. Uh, OK, let me quickly review all of the major decisions made by the Supreme Court over the, just the past few weeks and how they will affect voters in each of the states where these decisions were made uh, first in Arkansas. And actually, this wasn't the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. This was the Arkansas State Supreme Court struck down that state's Republican photo ID restriction law, finding that it violated the state constitutional right to vote. That's good in Arkansas. Good news. Y'all get to vote this year if you want to. If you want to, it's up to you, but you get to vote in Arkansas thanks to the Supreme Court find, the state Supreme Court finding that the Republican photo ID restriction law in that state violated the state constitution and the right to vote that is guaranteed to all Arkansas voters over the age of 18. Now, a lot of people think, by the way, that we have no right to vote in this country. It's been interesting to hear this from Republicans over the past several weeks. There's no right to vote; it's a privilege to vote. Now, it's it's actually a right to vote. Many state constitutions expressly uh, guarantee that right to vote to all of their uh, eligible voters, eighteen and over, uh, which is why Arkansas shut down the Republican attempt at voter suppression. Which was using these, requiring these photo ID restrictions. Arkansas cut it down. Missouri has cut it down in the past because they have a similar provision in their state constitution. Earlier this year, uh, Wisconsin uh, shut it down because they have a state uh, constitutional provision with the right to vote. Pennsylvania shut down. All of these states had Republican, uh, photo ID restrictions that were shut down by the state Supreme Court because they were in violation of the state constitution. Now let's go to the U.S. Constitution in Ohio this year. The U.S. District Court once again ordered Republicans to restore a week of early votings during the so-called golden week when people could both register and vote on the same day. Uh, Ohio uh, state courts have done this. I'm sorry, federal courts in Ohio have done this over and over and over. Uh, ordered them to restore, restore souls to the polls Sunday. That's the uh, early voting on the Sunday before the, the election. Uh, the appellate court agreed with the district court after the Republicans there tried to challenge that ruling. And then the Supreme Court overturned both of the lower courts allowing the GOP voter suppression to take place in Ohio this year. They said that, oh, this uh, ruling from the U.S. District Court and the appellate court was just too close to the election day, too close to the beginning of voting, and we don't allow rules to be changed just before the election. So that voter suppression in Ohio was a success, is a success this year. They will uh, shorten early voting and uh, end same-day registration in that one week when you used to be able to do it. Moving on to North Carolina, where there is more bad news. The U.S. appeals court ordered that North Carolina Republicans restore same-day registration uh, and allowing ballots to be cast to be counted after they're uh, cast in the wrong precinct, but... The Supreme Court overturned that as well, allowing the Republican voter suppression law to take place in North Carolina this year. And in North Carolina, by the way, it is the mother of all voter suppression laws. It does everything that Republicans have tried to do around the country. It uh, uh, shortens early voting. It ends same-day registration. It will, beginning in 2016, require a photo ID restriction. Anyway, the Supreme Court allowed that law to go forward even though the appeals court said it was a violation of the constitution the u.s constitution supreme court allowed it to go forward anyway because again this appeals court decision they decided was just too close to the election so we had to leave it in place so voter suppression in ohio in place voter suppression in north carolina in place thanks to the u.s supreme court and then we get to wisconsin where earlier this year, a U.S. District Court judge struck down that state's photo ID voting law, finding that it was a violation of the Voting Rights Act and the U.S. Constitution. That was earlier this year, so that law was out until just a few weeks ago, the appellate court struck down that uh, lower court's ruling. Used erroneous reasons to do so. Among them, that you needed a uh, you need a, an ID to board a plane and to open a bank account, to rent an apartment. So why not to vote? All of that is untrue. It's a lie. You don't need a photo ID to board a plane. The commercial airlines are not about to turn away 30 million customers in this country, paying customers who don't have photo ID restrictions. The ACLU, who was challenging all of this in Wisconsin, uh, chided the Seventh Circuit court. They wrote this. uh, The Seventh Circuit also could not fathom that so many registered Wisconsin voters lack a photo ID. Six, uh, 300,000 of them, by the way, 300,000 perfectly legal voters in Wisconsin lack a photo ID. Seventh Circuit could not imagine that, uh, says the ACLU in, quote, in a world in which photo ID is essential to board an airplane, pick up prescription at a pharmacy, open a bank account or cash a check at at a currency exchange, buy a gun or enter a courthouse to serve as a juror or watch the argument of this appeal, unquote. That was from the Seventh Circuit's opinion. The ACLU replies to say wrong, 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 wrong and wrong again. Wisconsin flyers, patients, bank customers, gun owners, and court Court watchers do not need photo IDs, only Wisconsin voters. The good news is the Supreme Court then threw out that um, Wisconsin uh, appellate court decision, which means the photo ID law in Wisconsin, where there's this incredibly tight race, between uh, scott walker governor republican governor scott walker and his democratic challenger mary burke uh they do not need to present photo id when voting this year that's the good news in wisconsin and once again the supreme court used the premise that well Earlier in this year, they did away with the photo ID law. The U.S. District Court did away with it, said it was unconstitutional. So the appellate court can't come along at the last minute and change the rules. So in this case, the Supreme Court uh, precedent that disallows last minute changes to election laws, in this case, it worked against the voter suppressors. The Republican voter suppressors. So that's the good news in Wisconsin. You can vote, Wisconsinites, and I expect you to do so if you give a damn about what's going on in your state. Uh, Incredibly, and we talked about this on one of the broadcast podcasts over the past couple of weeks, uh, the original judge... The Reagan-appointed conservative Judge Richard Posner on the Seventh Circuit. He's the guy who originally approved the first photo ID restriction in the country back in 2008 in Indiana. The landmark case Crawford versus Marion County. Richard Posner, who is the uh, most well-cited jurist in the 20th century, according to uh, the Yale uh, Legal Review, Uh, The the Supreme Court loves this guy. They love Richard Posner. He's the guy who approved photo ID in the first place back in 2008. But this time, years later, he now sees that these laws are meant to do nothing but restrict voters from voting, particularly Democratic voters from voting. He admits now he got it wrong. And on the Seventh Circuit, he was dissenting uh, in that case. When that idiot, Frank Easterbrook, Judge Frank Easterbrook, uh, put out that ruling with all sorts of factual errors in it about needing an ID to board a plane and so on and so forth, Posner absolutely destroyed him. He said that these laws are, quote, a mere fig leaf for efforts to disenfranchise voters likely to vote for the political party that does not control the government. He said there is only one motivation for imposing burdens on voting that are ostensibly designed to discourage voter impersonation fraud if there is no actual danger of such fraud. And that is to discourage voting by persons likely to vote against the party responsible for imposing the burdens. Posner goes on to point out that in every state, every single state where these photo ID restrictions have been put in place, these strict restrictions have been put in place in every case. It was a Republican House and a Republican uh, Senate in the legislature who did it and a Republican governor who signed the bill. One of my favorite lines from Posner's dissent, and you got to read the whole thing. we got it at bradblog.com. I wrote about it over at Salon uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he said that, uh, well, his, his partner, Inc., uh, Easterbrook, who had the majority opinion on the Seventh Circuit, uh, said it, it doesn't really matter if these laws uh, actually – Uh, stop voter fraud. It doesn't matter if they actually give confidence to voters because, as it turns out, they don't give confidence to voters. Voters are equally suspicious of elections in states that have these laws and in states that don't. But Easterbrook said, well, you know, it doesn't matter. The legislature thinks it improves confidence in elections. And we know this because the Wisconsin legislature passed this law. Therefore... Uh, we have to, uh, you know, give them the legislative discretion. Posner responded, quote, if the Wisconsin legislature says witches are a problem, shall Wisconsin courts be permitted to conduct witch trials? Man, I love that Richard Posner. Reagan appointed conservative ju- uh, judge on the Seventh Circuit, and his opinion on this matter is going to come into play later on. When the Wisconsin law, which has for now been knocked down, when that comes back, uh, is currently being appealed by the state of Wisconsin, and it will no doubt find its way to the Supreme Court along with a lot of these other photo ID restriction cases. Uh, Posner's response was amazing.
0: You joining these actions and helping amplify the show to get even more people involved is critical to our mission to change the world for the better. Get started right now in the show notes on the device you're using, or visit the website from any device at bestoftheleft.com.
8: Just to lay it out in the open, so they're, they're no longer hiding this. This is not being hidden. They they're just doing it blatantly. So here's I'll play you a couple clips. Uh, Here is a guy. Here's uh, state representative Mike T- Terzai. Right. He's a Republican representative from Pennsylvania. And here's what he said about voter I.D.
9: Voter I.D., which is going to allow Governor Romney to win the state of Pennsylvania.
8: Done. Allow. Allow. Wow. That's the that verb says it all. Yeah. Allow. Meaning that we're the people. We're going to suppress the will of the people, and we're going to get our person who we want to be in charge in charge. We're going to suppress the will of the people. That's what they're saying. Mm Right. We're going to undermine democracy. Okay. So here's uh, here's here's another Republican Party chairman from Pennsylvania. Do you think all
4: the
2: attention drawn to voter ID affected last year's elections?
4: Uh, yeah, I think a little bit. I think we, I, we probably had a better election. Think about this: uh, we cut Obama by five percent, uh, which was big. You know, a lot of people lost sight of that. He he won. He beat McCain by ten percent. He only beat beat uh, Romney by five percent. I think that probably photo ID had a, a, helped a bit in that.
8: <laughs> that's the chairman. That's the chairman uh, of the Pennsylvania uh. Republican Party said that. So he just said it. So now, and here's a here's the famous clip of a precinct chairman from North Carolina. His name is Don Yelton. He's a Republican precinct captain from North Carolina. And he was being interviewed by The Daily Show's uh, reporter. And he was asking Asif them. Manbi. Asif Manbi. And they're asking him about uh, vo- the voter ID laws and who's it going to hurt.
10: The law is going to kick the Democrats in the
8: butt. So it's gonna, the law is going to kick the Democrats in the butt.
10: Yeah, that's I what he said.
8: That. So then he said, then he goes on to, just in case you weren't sure what he meant.
10: If it hurts yeah. a bunch of lazy blacks, it wants the government to give them everything. So be it. And it just if it hurts a bunch <laughs> of
8: lazy blacks, so be it. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> be it. A bunch of lazy blacks. Some of my best friends are a bunch of lazy blacks. <laughs> and then so then Ossef says this to him.
11: So it happens that a lot of those people vote Democrat.
4: Gee.
8: <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So they're just saying it blatantly. And the Supreme sure. Court is just like, yeah, I guess that's OK, because we're also racist.
12: Guess what? I don't trust the Supreme Court.
8: Right. So that's again, it just goes to show you what Denny Crane sa- said on Boston Legal <laughs> five years ago is completely true, that the Constitution says whatever they want it to say. What do you mean? How does it say? Cause, well, we rigged the election, which they did. Uh, they get a guy in, he appoints more people Supreme Court. That Supreme Court agrees with whatever he wants them to say, and that's what happened. They say that. Uh, they say that corporations are people. Corporations are people. Money is speech. And now they say that uh, voter IDs are not poll taxes. Pay- making people pay money to get a voter ID is not a. So this is. So now here. <laughs> So here is how uh, Chris Matthews – so this is this is so blatant because this will tip – this is really going to tip elections, especially yes. in Texas because – As it has throughout our history. As it has throughout our history. So right. uh, they, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in her dissent said that up to 600,000 people in Texas will be disenfranchised from voting. 600,000 is there's, a lot of people yeah, that can no swing an election. There's so no that's doubt. why this is important, and that's why – this is—we—they didn't put a voter ID in the Constitution, okay? By the way, there is no voter fraud. There's none. The only—the only voter fraud they found in Wisconsin, by the way, was a guy who voted five times for Scott Walker. Right. Most of the voter—the <laughs> the, the little bits of voter fraud you find hither and yon yes. are from lunatic right wingers. That's right. And by the way, this is voter fraud. Yes. This passing these laws is voter fraud. I don't
11: know.
9: Paul Ryan says we have in our inner cities, his phrase, we're dealing with, quote, a real culture problem in those communities. He says, quote, we have got this tailspin of culture in our inner cities in particular of men not working and just generations of men not even thinking about working or learning the value and the culture of work. So there is a real culture problem here that has to be dealt with. Now, why would he talk like that? Back in nineteen eighty. One, after Lee Atwater helped run Ronald Reagan's campaign for president. Lee Atwater was interviewed by Alexander Lemus, and the a recording of that interview ended up in the hands of Jimmy Carter's son, James Earl Carter, grandson, yeah, James Earl Carter IV. And the Nation magazine published it. And what Lee Atwater said was, and I'm going to tell you what he said, and then I'm going to play it for you. You can actually hear him say it, but it's a little hard to hear some of it, so I'm going to tell you first. He says, you start out in 1954 by saying, and he actually uses the N-word, but N-word, 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 and we've leaped that, but you'll hear it. He says, by 1968, you can't say N-word. That hurts you. It backfires. So you say stuff like uh, forced busing, states' rights, and all that stuff, and you're getting so abstract. Now you're, talk, now, you're talking about cutting taxes and all these things. You're talking about our totally economic things, and a byproduct of them is blacks get hurt worse than whites. We want to cut this. You know, free Republicans should say it that way. We want to cut this as much more abstract than even the busing thing and a hell of a lot more abstract than N-word, N-word. You didn't bleep the last two? Okay, you could just cut it before we get to the last two. Okay, we'll just stop right there after he says a hell of a lot more abstract than here. Here is Lee Atwater.
11: You start out in 1954 by saying, <coughs> by 1968 you can't say that hurts your backfire, so you say stuff like uh, force busing, states' rights, and all that stuff. And you're getting so abstract now. You're talking about cutting taxes, and all of these things you're talking about are totally economic things. And the byproduct of the is. Blacks get hurt worse than life. and subconsciously, maybe that is part of it. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that if it is getting that abstract and that coded, uh, that, that we're we're doing away with the racial problem one way or the other. Uh, you follow me? Obviously, sitting around saying uh, we want to cut taxes, we want to cut this, and we want is much more abstract than than, than,
9: the, than even the busing thing, and a hell of a lot more abstract than saying n-word n-word. This is Lee Atwater laying out the strategy in nineteen eighty-one paul ryan fulfilling the strategy right now here's another example back in nineteen eighty another guy who worked on ronald reagan's campaign paul werick who went on to co-found the american legislative exchange council alec helped was one of the guys who helped pull together the heritage foundation and several other these right wing think tanks worked on every republican presidential campaign right up to and including george w bush he's he's now deceased but he was one of the he he was the guy who ran the direct mail operation in Reagan's campaign in 1980. And back then, direct mail was what the internet is today. He he raised the money. He made it he made it possible. He made it work for Ronald Reagan. This is Paul Rayrick speaking to a group of Republican Christian activists in a church basement in Dallas, Texas, in 1980. Here he is.
10: Now many of our Christians have what I call the goo goo syndrome good government they want everybody to vote i don't want everybody to vote elections are not won by a majority of people they never have been from the beginning of our country and they are not now as a matter of fact our leverage in the elections quite candidly goes up as the voting populace goes down it's it's right there
9: and to take this back to paul ryan what is scott walker doing in wisconsin right now cutting early voting I mean, and not just in Wisconsin, you got, you know, some 15, 20 states where Republicans are aggressively making it harder for people to vote. 1980 has come to roost in 2014. These guys are playing from the exact same playbook they have been playing from since 1980. And there you hear it in their own
4: words. Then you going-
6: Young people, minorities, gays, and women. I know we don't talk much, but this election we have a favor to ask of you. Don't vote on November 4th. We've made some desperate attempts to win you over, but let's be honest, it's just getting awkward. We, we don't, don't get pray. you people. We've spent the past six years doing nothing, so you would give up on the whole hope and change thing and leave the policy decisions to us. Rich white men, protecting our own self-interest self interest like money, 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 walls, balls, money trees, money in the shape of sexy women. We own America. Why is this so complicated? We've done our part to make not voting easier for you. Gerrymandering, changing voting laws, eliminating early voting,
8: making fake voting
6: stations out of refrigerator boxes. Cause fuck you. But there's only so much we can do. The rest is up to you. So don't vote. Don't vote. I think you should not vote. And let us forge a new America. One that's not hampered by minimum wage laws or overtime pay or regulations on credit derivative swaps that celebrates diversity of income based on gender and race. It isn't plagued by discussions of police brutality or inequality. Can I get help? Good God! If global warming is real, then... Why is there ice in my drink? Take that, science. But if all you liberals stay at home this November, Republicans will take back the Senate and we'll be free, unfettered by pesky attempts to overturn Citizens United. Or maintain net neutrality. No more of your bloody blah, 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 lady laws or bloody blah, 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 immigration. No more nagging about student loan reform or equal pay for equal work. Sure, it would give you more money, but what would you spend it on? Clothes, food, a down payment on a house. That's not what keeps the economy moving. We have better ideas like paying successful corporations to create jobs for you. Lowering the business taxes so we businessmen don't actually pay taxes. And space Space fracking. fracking. So, this November 4th, refuse to do your job as a citizen just like we do in Congress. Play video games, watch your Telemundo, smoke your jukas, and watch your lesbian jail shows ride your fixies, drink craft beer, cook, or watch puppy videos. Keep vining, sexting, grinding, skyping, pinning, twerking, whatever it is you people are doing, and leave the governing to us.
4: It's unbelievable and, frankly, outrageous that in the last four years, close to half the states in this country have passed laws making it harder for people to vote. But it's true. And whereas once upon a time in the south of my youth, it was Democrats who used the poll tax, literacy test, and outright intimidation to keep black people from voting, today it's the Republicans working the levers of suppression, as if something in their DNA demands it. Listen. To one of the founding fathers of the conservative movement, Paul Wyrick, back in 1980.
10: I don't want everybody to vote. Elections are not won by a majority of people. They never have been from the beginning of our country, and they are not now. As a matter of fact, our leverage in the elections quite candidly goes up as the voting populace goes down.
4: So the right has become relentless in trying every trick to keep certain people from voting. And conservative control of the Supreme Court gives them a leg up. Last year's decision, Shelby County v. Holder, revoked an essential provision of the 1965 Voting Rights Act, and that has only upped the ante, encouraging many state Republican legislators to impose restrictive voter ID laws as well as gerrymander congressional districts and limit registration and voting hours. The right's rationale is that people are manipulating the system to cheat and throw elections but rarely can they offer any proof of anyone, anywhere, trying illegally to cast a ballot. So what's going on? A question for my guests. Sherilyn Eiffel is president of the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund. She's a noted civil rights litigator whose work has included landmark voting rights cases. She's the author of On the Courthouse Lawn, Confronting the Legacy of Lynching in the 21st Century. Ari Berman is a contributing writer at The Nation magazine and during the 2012 elections, the first national reporter to cover voter suppression issues. He's currently writing a book titled Give Us the Ballot, The Modern Struggle for Voting Rights in America, to be published next summer. Welcome to you both.
12: Thank you, Bill. Thank you.
4: So just a couple of weeks before the midterm elections, how do we know if these voter suppression efforts are working well,
12: what we do know in Texas, where we just litigated a major case involving uh, voter ID, we know that more than 600,000 registered voters will not be able to vote in this November's election because they lack the photo ID required by the new Texas law and because the Supreme Court has said that the election can proceed even though a federal court has found that that photo ID law discriminates against black and Latino voters.
4: Yes, the judge in Texas ruled that it was unconstitutional, and yet last Saturday the Supreme Court said let the election go forward. What was their rationale? The most charitable rationale we can give to the
12: Supreme Court's decision is that it's consistent with other decisions they've made, um, in which essentially their view is if it's very close to the election, and, and certainly this was close to the election, early voting started this week, that they shouldn't disturb the status quo, that you don't change the processes of election so close to an actual election. And And what's
4: your objection to that?
12: We have a federal judge who found that this photo ID law was created to intentionally discriminate against black and Latino voters in violation of the United States Constitution. And it seems to me this puts that case in an entirely different category. To allow that election law to go forward and to allow the disenfranchisement of more than half a million voters based on a law that a federal judge has found intentionally discriminates, to me, really challenges at the core our democracy.
4: Run down, if you can, uh, some of the states where voter suppression is happening as we speak. After
13: that Shelby County decision, North Carolina passed the most sweeping set of voting restrictions since the passage of the Voting Rights Act in 1965. Key parts of that law are now in effect, cutting early voting by a week, eliminating same-day registration during the early voting period, preventing out-of-precinct ballots from being counted, eliminating public financing of judicial elections. Down we go. That's now, in effect, that's a crucial swing state where Democrat Kay Hagan is running against Republican Tom Tillis. race alone could control the Senate. We have Kansas, another state where there's a very contested Senate race where they've adopted a new proof of citizenship requirement for voter registration. You have to now show your birth certificate to register to vote. 15,000 voter registrations are currently on hold as a result of that decision. You look at Georgia, another state where there's a highly contested Senate race. 85,000 new voters have been registered by a group called the New Georgia Project. They've subsequently been subpoenaed by the Republican Secretary of state there for alleged voter registration fraud, even though there's been almost no cases. Now we have 50,000 new voter registration applicants that are on hold in Georgia, people who might not be able to register, might not be able to vote in that state. So those are just three crucial swing states in which there are new voting restrictions on the books.
4: Why are you both convinced that these efforts are malevolent? The other side claims that they're necessary to prevent Uh, voter fraud to make sure that the person who's voting is actually the person who should be voting
12: well we've been hearing about this for some years remember bill prior to 2006 no state required a photo ID to vote you and I voted I'm sure for many years for many decades we arrived at the polls we had our voter registration card which does not have a photo on it and we voted and and this was fine Um, until suddenly we had this issue of voter fraud being raised And although the issue of voter fraud has been raised, it's never been proven. In Texas, where we litigated this case, where the state of Texas was all in to defend their photo ID law, they were only able to identify two instances of in-person voter fraud since 2002. If you look at all of the data that's been collected and analyzed by the best political scientists and social scientists, there is no evidence of statistically significant voter fraud. So you've created a system that disenfranchises millions of voters to try and solve a problem that you can't prove exists.
13: There's been 1 billion votes cast since 2000 and only 31 cases of voter impersonation. So that just shows you that it's not a problem. Why do we suddenly start hearing about this after the 2000 election? What happened in 2008? the election of Barack Obama. And what we saw is this coalition of the ascendant, is what they
4: called it. Demographic. Yes,
13: young people, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, women. That's the future of the country, not just the future of the electorate, but the future of the country demographically.
4: Is racism behind this?
12: Well, I can only tell you what the uh, judge in Texas said. The voter ID law in Texas intentionally discriminates against African-American and Hispanic voters. It's not my opinion. That's what was found by a federal district judge. And I think you're absolutely right about the 2008 election of, of President Obama and this kind of ascendant electorate. But when people first began really talking about voter fraud in the 2006-2007 period, who were these people who were showing up uh, allegedly to vote when they couldn't vote? Remember, it was happening in the context of what was a very ugly conversation about immigration. The idea was that there were Latinos who were showing up, Hispanic people showing up from Mexico and other countries who couldn't vote who were now voting. So once again, the engine that was driving the voter fraud conversation really had at its root this issue of race and ethnicity.
4: This is the first... Uh, election since the Supreme Court's decision last year throwing out the provision of the 1965 uh, Voting Rights Act, which required states with the worst discriminatory practices uh, to approve their voting changes with the federal government. To what extent is all of this the result of that decision? One-third
13: of the states that were previously covered by Section 5 have passed or implemented new voting restrictions since that decision. And so we're seeing right now the greatest restriction of voting rights since the end of Reconstruction, where states feel like they can now get away with this. And they've been waging, really, a two-pronged war. One is to pass these new voting restrictions in the states that we've been talking about. The second is to then challenge the constitutionality of key provisions of the Voting Rights Act to make it harder to block these changes. And I think, again, coming back to North Carolina is a really good example of the Shelby decision. The North Carolina House passed a 14-page voter ID bill In April of 2013, then a month after the Shelby County decision, that 14-page bill becomes a 57-page bill that essentially either repeals or curtails every voting reform in North Carolina that made it easier for people to vote. So then that voter ID law becomes much, much stricter, as strict as Texas. They're cutting early voting. They're eliminating same-day registration. They're doing all these things, and they did it, as they said, because they no longer had to deal with the quote-unquote headache of having to approve their voting changes with the federal government.
0: As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently-owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, or Amazon.co.uk from the banner at bestofleft.com to shop at just one of the major companies with the insatiable profit incentive to help perpetuate the destructive paradigm of overconsumption and exploitative capital. Better yet, go ahead and click through to the Amazon site that serves your country just once, and then bookmark it to use every time you shop, which should be as rarely as possible. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whether that be rejecting consumerism altogether or at least consuming in a subversive way. Love me,
5: hold me, love me, hold
0: me, You've reached the activism portion of today's show. Now that you're informed and angry, here's what you can do about it. Today's activism, the Voting Rights Amendment Act. As this episode posts, election results are rolling in. Across the country, people are voting for candidates to determine the makeup of state houses, school boards, and our Congress, as well as potentially approving ballot measures that could expand, ensure, or decimate constitutional rights to privacy, health care, and voting itself. Who could have even thought that a decade ago, voting rights would need to appear on a ballot? Many of you, before hearing today's episode, were probably foolish enough to believe that everyone in America believed in that romanticized notion of one man, one vote, setting aside the intentional gender disparity and land ownership requirements that disenfranchise the poor and people of color of that original phrase. The foundation of our country has always been that of representative government. Over the decades, access to the ballot has expanded, not contracted. People have risked imprisonment and even death to bring the right to vote to more and more of our citizenry. So why would anyone who claims to love this country do anything to roll back progress through voter suppression? Turns out the GOP, despite their love for democracy in America has known for some time that they don't do as well when everyone votes. And so, state houses controlled by the GOP wasted no time following the Supreme Court decision gutting the Voting Rights Act two summers ago. Every imaginable type of voter suppression law has passed somewhere. Voter ID requirements, the systematic elimination of early and expanded hour voting days, threatening voter registration drive organizers with imprisonment, and more. And if you really want to grasp the full horrific landscape of voter suppression laws, just read everything from Ari Berman at The Nation. As in so many areas, it's time we stopped only saying no to bad legislation and started pushing proactive measures. Enter VRA for Today, a project of the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights, backed by the Brennan Center. They're demanding that this Congress, and certainly the next one, pass the Voting Rights Amendment Act to, quote, enact modern nationwide protections against discrimination at the ballot box, unquote. Visit their website, vrafortoday.org, and follow them on Twitter via the hashtag VRA4, that's the number four, VRA4today, or directly on their handle, civilrightsorg. You can still sign their petition beyond today's election and access resources like videos, news updates, and reports of VRA violations. You may be disillusioned with national politics here at Best of the Left. That is certainly a sentiment that's understood. But your ability to vote for ballot initiatives, like the vote I just cast to legalize small amounts of marijuana in Washington, D.C., votes for our school board members and state reps, votes that make a real difference at the local level, is affected by voter suppression efforts just as much as your ability to vote for the presidency in Congress. All of our work, all of our progress is invalidated if we lose the fundamental ability to have a say on election day. Visit vrafortoday.org and get involved before the next election cycle, or you may find yourself standing on the sidelines. The segment notes include all of the links to this information as well as additional resources. And as always, this and every activism segment we produce is archived and organized Organized under the activism tab at bestoftheleft.com. If basic democracy matters to you, be sure to hit the share buttons to spread the word about VRA for today via social media so that others in your network can join the movement to expand voter protections too.
10: There is no constitutional issue here. The command of the Constitution is plain. There is no moral issue. It is wrong, deadly wrong, to deny any of your fellow Americans the right to vote in this country. There is no issue of states' rights or national rights. There is only the struggle for human rights. I have not the slightest doubt what will be your answer, but the last time a president sent a civil rights bill to the Congress, It contained a provision to protect voting rights in federal elections. That civil rights bill was passed after eight long months of debate. And when that bill came to my desk from the Congress for my signature, the heart of the voting provision had been eliminated. This time, On this issue, there must be no delay or no hesitation or no compromise with our purpose. cannot, we must not, refuse to protect the right of every American to vote in every election that he may desire to participate in. And we ought not, and we cannot, and we must not wait another eight months before we get a bill. We have already waited a hundred years and more, and the time for waiting is gone. So I ask you to join me in working long hours nights and weekends, if necessary, to pass this bill. And I don't make that request lightly. Far from the window where I sit with the problems of our country. I recognize that from outside this chamber is the outraged conscience of a nation, the grave concern of many nations, and the harsh judgment of history on our acts. But even if we pass this bill, the battle will not be over. What happened in Selma is part of a far larger movement which reaches into every section and state of America. It is the effort of American Negroes to secure for themselves the full blessings of American life. Their cause must be our cause, too, because it's not just Negroes. But really, it's all of us who must overcome the crippling legacy of bigotry and injustice. And we shall overcome.